Swag World is produced by the web design agency headscape.co.uk. This week on Boag World, when to hire a web agency, user testing on disposable websites, and a need for speed. Podcast for all those involved in designing, developing, and running websites on a daily basis. On a daily basis. On a daily basis. Designing, developing, designing, developing, running, developing, running. Designing, developing, designing, developing, running, episode of boagworld.com the podcast oh you know the rest hello marcus how are you hello paul i'm really hay fevery oh and my wife's left me <laughs> your wife's left you <laughs> i like the i like your priorities there i've got hay fever oh and by the way my wife's left me she's coming back oh that's okay then. she's gone on holiday with her mate oh. which means i'm like running around like an idiot so and and i was up at six this morning so i could take the dogs out well and, and if I, you I do I, insist on having no, pets I'm sort of going this well, I, I seem to have given up sleeping. On our youth group on Saturday, we, we did a chocoholics evening, which had ridiculous amounts of chocolate and ended up with, um, you know, the chocolate you put in chocolate fountains, the melted down stuff. Yeah, I like that and stuff. And a lot of that got thrown around. It got quite grim. Where was this? We were outside. In your living room? No, we were outside. <laughs> we were outside in my back garden. So it, still? It still was very messy. But I consumed so much chocolate, I think I'm still on a sugar high now on Monday morning. Right, yeah. So, bad news. Anyway, yes. So, um, one little bit of housekeeping. What's that? Which is the fact that next week's show will be live from the App Media Conference in London. So, if you are attending, get this. You have to be, you have to be there, don't you, to support the show. You'd want to be, you know, dear listener, you'd want to be there. You won't have to get up as early as I do, let's put it that way. (laughs) I've got to catch the 505. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's painful. I mean, I could have come and stayed up overnight, but again, you know, dogs, kids, all that malarkey. Right. I can't. It's like I've got, fortunately, there is a train there early because I was thinking I might not be able to get there in time, but there is one. Good. Yippee. That's good. So, so this is this is the thing Marcus has given away, that the show that you're going to be supporting if you're in London is at 7.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Now, what stupid conference organisers. John, uh, John Allsop, I may have never met you, and so really shouldn't be insulting you yet. <laughs> but 7.30 in the morning, man. John is the guy that arranges that media um, from Web Directions. And, um, yeah, so that will be really fun. So come and watch well, us suffer. I just kind of hope that there's someone there. Yeah, I, would, might be I wouldn't be there if, it, if I was attending the would conference. I. No, screw that. <laughs> I'm not getting up at that time. So, yeah, we're hopeful. So if next week's show sounds a little bit blurry-eyed, that'll be why. I uh, know, I'll be wide how awake does, by then. How does someone like Chris Evans be so happy and cheerfully annoying so early in the morning? It's unnatural. Don't know, don't listen to the radio too. Mm, well, Even though I'm older than you. 
I don't listen to it. My wife listens to oh, it, right. and she has it as a cock radio to wake up to. Oh, I have the same with Miles. Irritating, annoying git waking me up every morning. No, I prefer I prefer the northern irritating, annoying git. Yeah, well, he's much funnier. Much in a muchness, yeah. isn't it? It's all people waking you up. Anyway, so yeah, I just wanted to mention that. So if you are there, please come and support us. Yes, even please, though, please come. Although, to be honest, I wouldn't support us if I were you. But there you go. You don't mean that, Paul. Well, I, you probably do, actually. I do, actually, because yeah. I am a selfish git. <laughs> right, should we move on to the news? Probably a good idea. Okay, so probably as you gathered from last week's show, if you listened to that, where we did an interview with Stephen Anderson, there's a lot of excitement at the moment about the impact of psychology on web design. It's funny how these things go in phases, you know, it w- was it usability, ex- then accessibility, then this, then that, then the other, and, and now it's psychology. This week alone, there have been three great posts on the subject that I wanted to point out to you. The first is the psychologist's view of UX design. And it's, it's an informative little rundown, really, of how the human mind influences our behavior. And it looks at topics that include the fact that people don't um, like to work or think more than they have to. Um, some of us more so than others, Marcus. I'm just saying. Harsh. Harsh, but fair. How rude. <laughs> people expect me to be rude to you. No, but I mean, I what cut- people don't understand and is that cut, off know, of the show... Kettle pot black, you know. Uh, <laughs> off of the show, we're completely cordial to one another the whole time. It's yeah. just an act for the podcast. Totally, yes, it? yes. I come in and I say, good morning, Paul. And I say, good morning, Marcus. <laughs> it's nice to see you again. Every time. Every time. Um, they look at um, how human memory is complicated, how we create mental models, we crave information, um, and most mental processes occur uh, unconsciously, and how all of these different kind of factors all affect um, UX design. There's a similar article um, called The Philosophy of Web Design on the Web Designer Depot, but that covers things like building trust, familiarity and pattern recognition, color psychology, focus, reading patterns and that kind of stuff. So that again, that's um, actually reading patterns and pattern recognition must be the same thing, surely. No, it might be actually literal patterns like grid patterns and things like that. Could be. Can't remember now. This is actually interesting stuff. Give me some more detail. Um, <laughs> no, because that's why you're supposed to go and read the articles, you oh, see. Oh, okay. This is the news section. It's not an in-depth study into these things. Okay. You didn't listen to last week's interview, did you, with Stephen Anderson? Yes. It's just slipped my mind. Yeah. <laughs> there's also there's one more you want to, might, might want to check out, which might be more your kind of thing, because I know, you know, reading, reading might be a yeah. bit of a strain for you. <laughs> I'm so rude to you today. That's all right. <laughs> Thought you might want to watch a video instead. Video? Pretty pictures? I'm actually more of a reader than a video watcher. But yeah, well, oh, tell me anyway. Tell me. Well, um, Errol Bulkin gave a talk at Future Web Design that's turn, turned out, according to Twitter anyway, to be the highlight of the conference, which I find deeply insulting as I spoke there too. Three, but, three times. Three times. <laughs> I was what? that desperate for recognition. <laughs> look at me. Look at me. I'm again. <laughs> Um, so he did a he really actually was his excellent talk on emotional design Um, so you might want to check out that as well because it is very very good so I think whether you're a web designer or website owner um, it would appear that psychology is the hot topic at the moment and has got a lot to teach us so we need to start paying attention I guess so that's that one we'll move on to the next talking of um, future web design one of the things that I said in my presentation, which, in my opinion, which was, one? was... 
one of them. Do you know? I can't even remember <laughs> the main one, the the, oh, okay, the, the, yeah. the the five, whatever it was. Um, was um, that we spend far too much time looking through inspiration galleries? Okay. Yeah. All, um, every day. That's me. No, not <laughs> you. Web designers. I'm talking about. Interestingly, the same issue has resurfaced this week in a uh, post entitled "Inspiration Kills." And now my argument against inspiration galleries is that they're a sinkhole for time, um, that we spend time, so much time paging endlessly through cool designs when we'd be better off actually learning something new. Um, the inspirational kills post takes a, a different tact, arguing that inspiration galleries replace creativity with other people's work. And they say, I think, um, uh, though, that there is a darker side to inspiration galleries. The darker side is the thing that sucks up your imagination and fills the gaps with other people's work. However, however great other people's designs are, by following their lead, you surrender your opportunity to innovate and create original work. For me, I think the author sums up um, the best approach beautifully when he writes um, towards the end. If, um, if you do go out to seek inspiration, don't look for it in the usual places, the countless galleries and showcases displaying work of fellow designers. Going this route will ensure your originality is killed. Look for it elsewhere in nature and in designs rela- unrelated to your subject. Um, I've said it before, but I'm increasingly turning to subject areas like psychology, marketing and business for inspiration rather than design. Not all design inspiration needs to be visual and it certainly doesn't have to be web-based. So I'd really encourage you to, to take the time you spend paging through those things for inspiration and, and uh, do something less boring instead. What was that from? Oh, that's an old t- kids TV show. Which encouraged you to turn off the TV. Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah. Why don't you? Why don't you, yeah. Why don't you? My I word. didn't realise you're as old as me, Paul. Obviously you are. I am, obviously. Nearly. On that subject, I think that people... Why are you wagging your finger at me? Because I like wagging my finger. Okay. Um, people have favourite galleries to go and look at. And they end up looking at the same thing every time they need inspiration. Exactly. So, you know... That's the problem, I think. If you could go and look at something... I don't think there's anything wrong with looking at other, other web work or print work, maybe, as long as it's something new. Yeah. That's the point. Yeah. Otherwise, you go back and you've got your favourites. Oh, I like that one, and I like that one. Yeah. You need a randomizer or something on, on, on these sites. <laughs> yeah, that's possible. Anyway. Um, next uh, news story. Um, so, first of all, we started with a plethora of psychology posts... So that's the the, ple- uh, the the multiple of of psychology is a plethora. So now we've got a gaggle of usability articles. Do you reckon that's uh, that's rubbish? No? Well, you have like you know a gaggle. Is it a gaggle of crows? I can't remember. Some of these things. Some of these the collections have got really it's weird on the ground. Is it a gaggle of geese? Gaggle of geese when they're on the ground. Oh, it's a murder of crows. Yes. Yeah. And it's, when they're flying geese, it's a skein or a skein. Ah, there you go. So we've got a gaggle of usability article. A collective of usability article is a gaggle. Right. Um, So this week I've found three posts on usability um, testing that I just can't help but mention. The first is a list of part article on quick, dirty, remote user testing. And the idea of remote user testing seems to become increasingly popular, thanks partly to advocates like Steve Krug, who spoke about it a little while ago on our show. Um, and remote testing is, I think, a viable alternative to conventional testing. And though it's not as effective as face-to-face, it is cheaper and it is easier. 
Um, if you run a website and have previously considered user testing too time-consuming or expensive, then definitely read this The List Apart article. Talking of Steve Krug, he's also released a video demonstrating how easy it is to do a usability test session. So if you feel like you need an expert to run a usability test session, then pay Headscape. (laughs) um, Actually, um, there's nothing stopping you from doing it yourself. Um, If you watch, watch this video, right? I challenge you to find something in this video that you couldn't do yourself. And I'm not saying there isn't a value in getting an expert to do it. He adds hastily. Mm-hmm. Um, but you certainly can do stuff yourself if budget doesn't allow. Oh, yep. look. Now, I've just clicked on something by accident and lost my place. Yeah, obviously, unusability the, of the iPad. Yeah, the iPad is just yeah. not oh, I've clicked, oh, oh, I've clicked on oh, something. Oh, 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 oh. Hey, did you see that um, um, Ellen, you know Ellen, the TV host in America? Yeah, yeah. She did, um, she did a really funny spoof um uh iphone um ad saying how easy the iphone was and she kept clicking on it anyway it's it's worth looking up it's funny okay anyway the final post is from ux booth um and focuses on encouraging negative feedback during user testing and it can be surprisingly hard to get users to be honest about their expectations or their experiences when testing I think they fear offending you or looking stupid. Um, so they often are guarded about being negative. Um, so it's great to see an article actually encouraging people to be yeah. mean. Don't tut and sigh a lot <laughs> yeah. as the facilitator. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> anyway, our final news story for today is our need for speed one that I mentioned right at the beginning of the show. I could do with some speed right now. <laughs> <laughs> and it's supposed by you can't say that. <laughs> well, you can. You I, just did. I just did. Yes, I don't really. It's a post by Jerry McGovern. Don't take drugs, kids. <laughs> I think I'd die. <laughs> <laughs> um, this week, Jerry McGovern is talking about the need for speed. So the, the post focuses on users' obsessions with speed. And he sums it up best at the end when he writes, Time is the most valuable resource it will only become more and more precious. Those who relentlessly focus on saving the customer time will be truly future-proofing. Those who waste their customers' time with disruptive marketing and advertising, confusing menus and links, and smiley people images will ultimately end up the roadkill of the information, super information highway. Who says super information in- highway? No, no information <laughs> super highway. But who says that anymore? That's like from the. Yeah, anyway. yeah, that's like from 1997. Jerry, get with the program, man. <laughs> Setting that aside, mine, <laughs> he does make a good point. Um, it's easy to build websites that are too slow and insist on um, communicating information that the user doesn't really care about. And actually, um, Jerry quotes Google, who say, um, we may be the only people in the world who can say our um, goal is to have people leave our homepage as quickly <laughs> as possible. Um, he then goes on to write, it's counter- counterintuitive, isn't it, uh, talking about Google. Get them off your website as quickly as possible, having uh, done what they came to the, to the website to do. It's truly the opposite philosophy of sticky websites or sticky, sticky marketing. Now, I have to actually say I probably disagree with Jerry's definition of a sticky website. For me, a sticky website is a website that users return to again and again rather than stay on a long time. Mm. However, I do agree that helping users complete their tasks as quickly as possible is a good aim. And Google's decision to factor in speed into its search algorithm is and not down to some illogical obsession on their part. They know that users want to complete tasks as quickly as possible, and Google wants to help them do so. 
So yeah, good post that by Jerry. Definitely worth checking out. Okay, that is the news for today. Okay, our feature for today is brought to you by Get Sign Off, which is Headscape's hassle-free way to get design sign off from its clients. Um, it's a great application for uh, showing clients designs and getting those designs pro- improved, approved. 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 Um, it's also got a great blog associated with it, focusing on client management advice. Um, the prices are, are really low, very reasonable, um, and there's a free account, so you can get to try it out for free for as long as you want, so there's no reason not to go and check it out at getsignoff.com forward slash World. I just made that up. Getsignoff.com. <laughs> Let's go with that. I thought, well, I kind of want to track how many people click through, but... That means you've got to that, do some work. That or? means I have to create that URL. Exactly. So just go to getsignoff.com. Who cares about tracking? That's Ryan's problem. It's very good, actually. I it like, is good. I like getting Oh, you ought to see the new interview. Yeah, uh-huh. you've seen it. It's good, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely unbelievable. I'm really excited about that. Want it live now. Yes, I know. That's the trouble, isn't it? Things yep. take time. Anyway, our, um, yeah, this is interesting feature today because I haven't yet written it, which is always a slight problem because I wasn't going to do this subject today, but. Uh, it's something I'm really excited about and really passionate about, and I often find that I get bored of things very quickly. <laughs> so it's best for me to talk about them when I'm passionate about So my about quality them. control today, then? Your quality control. Because a lot of these things I'm going to say going, is, is <laughs> announcing an entirely new direction for Headscape. So you might have to stop me. I'll just have to say no a lot. Yes. If you disagree, say no. That's your job. Right. So no. the title of the... no. Oh, you're so immature. It's unbelievable. <laughs> the title of the post is going to be, um, no plans to redesign your site. Now's the time to hire a web design agency. Okay. Right. So <laughs> basically, more detail. I believe that website owners hire their web design agencies at the wrong time. Right. Instead of hiring a web design agency when you need work done, hire them when you don't need work done. I need more detail. <laughs> So, traditionally, website owners hire a web design agency when they're unhappy with their website and when they have the budget to do something about it. Those are the two criteria, okay? Well, yeah, one leads to the other, but yeah. Yes. However, I've come to believe that the best time, as I've been thinking about this recently, I think the best time to hire a web design agency is when your budget is tight or when you're reasonably happy with your website, either or of those two. So, am I mad? Well, possibly. However, not in this particular case, I don't think. And I'm going to justify it now. Okay. You you, ready? You carry on. I think there's a flaw with the traditional model that we use for um, hiring, for for working between a client and a a web design agency, right? So, let's think about what happens. Um, a, A company decides that their website is getting long in the tooth it's been live three years it's got messy it needs a redesign all right so what they do is they put out they they put right down all the things that they want doing on their website Mm -hmm. then they send out an invitation to tender multiple agencies respond to that um, with proposals that are going to be expensive because we're talking about a complete redesign of the project it's a big project a big commitment for any organization doing a web project um, and uh, then they have to go through, a te- you know, selecting an agency, which is, you know, all of the rest of it. I think the problems with this off are as follows. Number one, 
I actually think that the whole idea of doing these periodic big redesigns is flawed, which we've talked about before, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. So the, the evolution. Yeah, evolution. Well, the, the analogy I use, right, is of a cleaner. Okay. Let's imagine a hypothetical person. Let's call that person Marcus. Okay. But completely hypothetical. hypothetical. No, not you. I'm real. A hypothetical Marcus. Well, right. No, that just happens to share your let's name. Let's call him Paul. No. Let's call him Chris. I, I, yeah, Chris. Chris. That's, that's better. Right. So Chris has bought his first house. Right. Okay. Okay. And Chris is determined that he wants to improve his house. He wants to impress his friends. Okay, it's falling down a bit here. But he wants to impress his friends. So, what he does is he buys... What, it's falling down because Chris hasn't got any friends? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's hypothetical. It's hypothetical, Chris. (laughs) But let's say the hypothetical Chris has Has got got friends. friends. Yeah, yeah. So, he he buys himself a new TV, right? Yeah. New big plasma TV. Takes it out of the box and he mounts it on the wall. But... Chris isn't a very tidy person, so he leaves the box and the polystyrene, which is broken, and all the rest of it, all lying around, right? Mm -hmm. It's a mess. Then what he does is he decides to paint his kitchen, right? So he paints his kitchen, looks beautiful, but he leaves all the paint pots out and all the brushes, and so it goes on and on and on. Yeah, okay. Right? So he's trying to improve things, he's making changes, but ultimately he's making a bigger and bigger mess, okay? Now, he reaches a point where he's actually a totally ashamed of his house and hasn't achieved his aim that you, you know would never invite people around mm-hmm. so what he then does instead um or he chooses to do is he decides to hire a cleaner right the cleaner comes in does a complete spring clean of the house from top to bottom the house looks immaculate he has friends around for a dinner party because chris is very middle middle class and middle-aged and uh, he has dinner party, really enjoys the house. And then he starts making more improvements and the house gets messier again and messier again till he stops inviting people around because he's ashamed of it. Then two, three years down the line, the house is such a tip that he hires a cleaner to come in and clean the house again. And so the, the cycle repeats itself. Right. Ridiculous, isn't it? It's a stupid story. What a normal person would do is hire a cleaner to come in every week and to just clean and keep things tidy. But that's exactly what clients do with web design agencies what website owners do with web design agencies they're constantly improving content doing things on their site introducing new stuff and it becomes messier and messier and messier in an attempt to actually improve the site and what they need is a cleaner to come in regularly rather than spending the huge amount of money getting a spring clean done every two three years so i think it's it's there's there's some there's that fundamental flaw that it's basically it's you know it's wasteful Mm -hmm. um because in the case of web design what they're doing is they're throwing out everything that's been done before and creating a new website every two three years it's financially painful because you have this enormous expenditure every two three years when actually you can have a much smaller expenditure which is much better for cash flow um and that you know that actually for a big period of the time you're too ashamed to show anyone the website because it's you know looking a mess right um but the biggest one for me is that hiring a web design agency is such a big decision and commitment because you're spending a huge amount of money getting this redesign happening on your website um so you know it has to get it right because you could be spending well in the case of the kind of projects we do 30 40 50 maybe even more thousand mm. pounds so you making that decision of picking the agency enormous mm. enormous decision so i think the, the the current model in my view is fundamentally flawed 
And that actually what, what I think would be beneficial to most website owners is to, to hire a web design agency for a long-term commitment to build up a long-term relationship with, with a web designer. So what you, be, what you really want to do is not hire someone for this kind of short-term um, you know, redesign, but hire a partner that can work with you and plan with you strategically. Mm. Because, for example, right in the brief, right, how many briefs do we receive where actually there's probably a better way of doing it, but mm. we're expected to respond to that brief? Yeah. But wouldn't it be so much more beneficial? Wouldn't the website only get so much more from us if they were working with us and we were helping to inform the brief? I mean, we do that with some of our clients. Yeah. Right? So it's more of a strategic long-term relationship you need to be um, looking for. Um, some some um, tenders we receive, are they, they all start off with some, you know, major project. Yeah. But some are, and we're hiring you for three years. Yes. That does happen. Um, but my point, I think my point is what you want to do is hire before the big project so mm. that you can get the benefit of the web designer's advice and, and help, you know, in planning what the big project or even if a big project is needed. Mm. Because sometimes a big project is not the answer. An evolution of the website is better than a revolution of it. Mm. Um, you're also hiring somebody to help keep your website on track you know, keep mm-hmm. moving forward. So you don't have this point of, of, of the website being ineffective at any point, right? You're spending a huge amount of money to redesign a website and then it's becoming, because there's no one nurturing it and caring for it on an ongoing basis or no one keeping an eye on it, no one making sure it's remaining current, then, then it begins to atrophy to the point where you're not really using it or it's not being as effective as it could be, which is a waste of money. Mm. So having an agency that you're constantly working with will, you know, make sure it stays on track and that it's constantly moving forward. Also, of course, if you hire for a long-term relationship and a long-term partnership, you're hiring someone that's going to understand your business over the long term. Right. So instead of getting a new agency every two, three years, or even if you get the same agency coming back in every Mm. two, three years, so much is going to have changed that a lot of what you know, you know, is not relevant anymore. Mm. So um, and also if you hire for a long term relationship, you can begin to build up real trust and real relationship and a real partnership. I mean, look at the way we work. We work with Farm Foods, mm. right? I mean, it's at, it is the right way to work. No question about it. Right. But it's money. That's the thing. I mean, Why is it talk, money? We talk about you know, there's not this great, enormous outlay yeah. for the beginning of the project. Mm-hmm. But I suspect that over this type of relationship, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing, mm-hmm. but will cost you more over time i don't think it will well i think it will in reality term i think people you know i think people need to understand that it's something that it's it's about investing in something that's really important why do you feel that it'll work out more money because i don't think there'll be a big redesign project over every two three years also i have to be honest thinking about some of you know some of the people that we've worked with in the past Mm. a lot of times they spent money on a project that hasn't you know, hasn't been the best investment in the money. But because we haven't yeah. been engaged to th- help them strategically, you I know, we that- haven't had the opportunity to turn around and say, well, actually, you'd be better off, 
doing this. Yeah. Uh, it, it's depends, like, it depends how, it's like how, much, how say, involved you it's are. Like, it's, it's like what people say about accountants, right? Everybody hates paying accountants, but mm. if you get a good accountant, they can actually save you more money than they cost. Yeah. Now, I'm not I going... I think the good ones cost more, so actually the, they save you more, but they cost more. <laughs> <laughs> But my point is that I'm not going as far as saying we'll save you money, but we certainly, I don't think actually in reality, it will necessarily cost you more. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking of like Wiltshire Farm Foods and clients like that, which which are constantly investing in their time. Well, mm. that's fine because they're e-commerce sites and they're making millions it off depends, of the back of the work It does depend on how much you're involved. Of course it does. But I, I, I suppose what I'm saying is, is I don't think we should be saying... I personally don't think that this is a cost-saving exercise. I think it's just a, a different way of spending the same yeah. amount of money. Well, let's talk about the practicalities of how I think this could work. Which I think is a good thing, though. You should be spending yeah, yeah, it yeah. like this. Yes, I, I do. I, yeah, I agree mm. with that. But I'm still, I'm still convinced it can be a cost-saving thing as well. Right. And in the current economy, I think that's what people need. Mm. And they certainly need something that's predictable rather than a massive expenditure yeah. any one time, you know, once every three years. You can plan for something every few you know months yep. you can't plan for a big expenditure every few years that's a much more unpredictable thing but let's talk about the practicalities because i think because i was thinking well this is all well and good but how does this actually work you know if headscape wanted to start which uh, the fact that we're talking about it on the show i guess means we are starting to promote this even though i haven't really discussed it with anyone else in the company <laughs> um well no we do have this relationship with some clients and it's yes. just a question of it's know, expanding that out but know. i'm trying to think about you know how how could this work for maybe a client that hasn't we haven't got this relationship already yeah, how it, could we it suggest would, it, it would to somebody? be weird to sort of like a brand new client to go in and say well we haven't really got anything for you to work on other than sort of like can you sort of have a look at it and, sit yeah. and make some recommendations? Well, I, I'm hoping, I'm hoping if I start talking about this enough, and I am enthusiastic to talk about this, mm. if I start talking about this enough, I'm hoping that we will have clients start coming to us and going, I, we just want to, we want to work with you, mm. right? No project at the moment, but we want to start working with you. So how would that work in practice, right? If somebody turned up and said that to us tomorrow, how would we respond? Well, I reckon that there are three elements to it. Right. First thing I would do is I would set up a monthly meeting with them. Right now, if it's that monthly, I'm plucking, pulling that out of my ass, plucking it out of the air, however you want to word it. Right. Yeah. But a, a, a regular periodic meeting. OK. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would depend on you know, the regularity would depend on how much changes on that website, and how often things change within the organization. But let's use a month as a default amount. And then once a month, we would either have a phone call or we'd meet face to face or whatever. Mm-hmm. And what we would do is we would, uh, you know, the first time would probably be a bit, little bit bigger exercise to kind of get your head around the whole business and what's going on and all the rest I of it. I think the first thing you'd do would be all, basically lots of different types of audit and review. Yes. What, what have you got but, stuff? But if they haven't got the budget for that, just a little meeting, a half hour yeah, discussion yeah. is better than nothing. You know, and it kind of do, you've got to think about the different scales. You know, there's some people that's listening to this that might only have a, you know, a few hundred pounds worth of website. Right. Yeah. But the idea of having something once a month regularly and that on that once a month, what you do is you assess where the website is. You assess what objectives are, but you set tasks to be done over the following month. Right. 
So I'm thinking in theory a little bit like Brian, who's our non-executive director at Headscape. Mm. You know, he'll come in when we have board meetings and he'll say, have you done the thing from the last board meeting we'll that we've all forgotten about? No. Yeah. <laughs> but what it does is it at least holds us accountable. I'm still carrying around the notes with bits with, with ML <laughs> circle. It's like, I still don't know what they are. You're, <laughs> you're undermining my argument. <laughs> but can you, you know, you, the principle applies of, of having someone to hold you accountable and setting targets for the month. Mm. Now, most of those targets probably will be aims and objectives that are going to be done internally within the organisation. So it might be, hey, we noticed when we were looking through the website, your telephone number is different in different places. That's mm. got to be updated. Or it might be that, you know, y- your content is not written in the right way and they might need to address that. Some of the issues will be issues for us to deal with, maybe. Um, you know, and, and th- there's budgetary things to that. Hey, we might even say, well, look, you know, actually, some of the stuff that he's doing on this, these little design changes are real donkey work, and you can hire a student to do this. Mm. And we might even help them find the student rather yeah. than paying yeah, us, yeah. right? So, but it's that idea of starting to work strategically. And then basically, so what you have is you have monthly meetings and then a month-long sprint, Right. Anybody that knows about agile development will understand this principle, setting basically what's going to be done over the next month. Then you meet next month, you review whether you've met your goals from the previous month and you set the next month's worth. Mm. Right. And you continue on this in a kind of ongoing basis. But the great thing is with this approach is that you can also trial and revise stuff. So instead of having to make big design, big decisions the whole time about new looks and feels and new looks and designs, you could just, you know, one of the things you might do over a sprint, you know, over a month is just trial a new button, right? And do A-B testing on the button to see whether the button improves conversion. Mm. You know, little things like that and, and start tweaking and changing the site incrementally. Now, what's great from a budgetary point of view is you don't need to go off and get approval now for a big budget you need to get approval for i don't know what's our charge out rate for an hour you know 120 mm. quid or whatever right just to have a chat with us now the like we said the first mm. one might be an audit might be a bit bigger or it might not you know depending on what your brief is, your, your budget is but you have to put you have to find 120 quid mm. right the other great thing about this of course is you can have one meeting and never have another with us mm. or whoever right and you could just go, oh, no, God. no, no, we have to lock people down yeah. for years. You know, they, they, you know, they signed might, in triplicate in blood. Obviously. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but they might go, oh, that was useless. So I'm not going to use you again or I'm not going to talk to you again. Or they might have that meeting and go, OK, I want to I don't want to get the design work done with you guys because you're too expensive. I'm going to get the design work done by someone else. But I use you guys for consultancy or whatever. Yeah. And so there's no commitment to it. There's no big decision that needs to be made over it there's no kind of upfront cost particularly and you could have half a dozen meetings and then decide no actually these guys are getting a bit stale in their suggestions i'm going to go to another agency and try the same thing with them mm. so uh, and and the other great thing of course is for especially for larger organizations where you're maybe a, you know a middle manager or whatever um that you've got some control over your own budget but when 
you know, when it gets over a certain value, say five grand, suddenly you have to go back to a committee or whatever. Or it right? has to go out to tender. Yeah, yeah. Or it has to go out to tender. So it avoids that problem as well because mm. it's little incremental payments. You get to know the people you're working with. So when the big project comes along, you don't have to go through this big jumping through hoops. You've already got a relationship that everything's going well. And you might have to go out to tender because you're required to. But really, it's pretty much, all you know, everything's all working well. It's not becoming this enormous issue. There's an established relationship and established trust there. Now, you might be asking yourself, well, isn't that why I have an in-house team? If you've already got an in-house team, you know, within your organization, that they're the ones that are kind of working but, you know, on the website on a continual basis and having that ongoing relationship. And I think to some degree that's right. Um, and it should be the way things are. But I don't think it is what happens in practice. What happens is an in-house team gets caught up with with dealing with stuff. You know, putting new content on the, the the site, you know, dealing with support queries for, you know, internal, um, you know, um, uh, stakeholders or or people that are adding content to the site. They're, they're caught up in the mundane. And I think mm. there are two areas where you really need an outside perspective. The first area is um, the kind of wood for the trees thing, right? So that there's nobody you're so ingrained in the kind of nitty gritty of the day-to-day work. You've got no one to help you look strategically at things. You've Mm. also got no one outside of the organization that's got a perspective of the industry, you know, and what's going on elsewhere and all of that kind of stuff. So having somebody else to bounce ideas around with that's outside of the situation is absolutely invaluable. Again, that's why we have Brian. Right, because mm. he's involved with so many different companies that he can give us a perspective that we don't have, um, and we just don't think strategically. I mean, how many times has he said that to us? Because mm. we're in the day to day of running things, right? And that's what it's like. The second area, which I think is really interesting, is is the detail, right? That as you add, you know, your in house team are adding new content, they're maybe adding the occasional new feature and stuff like that, and they're in this kind of churning it out mentality. Who's looking at the finer things, the real details of design, mm. the, the, the kind of, you know, making sure buttons line up, that there's consistent style across the, the elements on it, that ensuring that the design is as slick and professional. There's a guy called um, Dan Rubin, who we interviewed on the 200th mm. episode. And if you remember, what he does most of the time now is just tidy up websites. Yeah. You know, look at that details. I think it's just the difference between being paid a wage and being paid you know, as a supplier, yeah, you feel it's, you know, it, it might not be right or wrong or whatever, but you just, it's like, well, I'm being paid here by the hour or whatever, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm being asked to come in as an expert. So yeah. it's, it's kind of like you try harder, I guess. Yeah. I don't want trying to put down the internal team. That's just human nature. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, so from that point of view, yes, you're going to bring an extra level, I suppose. So, you know, having, I mean, obviously you might not need to have, you know, someone looking at the design. So also a lot of internal teams are, t- are uh, techie people you know mm, yeah. by their nature because there's internal systems that need supporting so having a designer constantly looking at the site is great as well it's you also know, a way of of you know you've got the web team who are normally this sort of little group on their own yeah uh who who, who are sort of whipped occasionally by yeah. the marketing department it's you're you're providing a bridge between the two yeah absolutely so i actually think i i got really excited about this i need to actually write the article now mm-hmm. but the 
the principle i think is really exciting so how how does how does this happen in reality all right this is all very good so we talked about what would happen in practice what's your next step if you're listening to this and going yeah he's talking a lot of sense right what do you do call paul <laughs> this is well, his number <laughs> <laughs> i would love to hear from yeah. you you can email me at paul at boagwell.com but i'm i'm trying to remain slightly impartial here. <laughs> um now first of all if you have an existing agency right that you like and you fire respect them. <laughs> fire them, no um go talk to them about this right get mm. them to read this post that will exist by the time you're listening to this there will be a post you can go to the show notes boagworld.com forward slash podcast forward slash what is it 214 yeah right and then you'll find a link to this here right so um go and go and get your existing web design agency to read this and say will you do this with me okay mm-hmm. that's your first step if your agency isn't up for this w- w- way of thinking, go and find an agency it, who is, Ooh, right? That <laughs> Stop it, Marcus. I'm really trying not to turn this into a sales pitch. Um, you know, there are there are other agencies out there that will do this. There, you know, there are people like this. I mean, a lot of the people listening to this show are web designers, and mm. they'll start offering this now. Mm. And that's great, and that's the way it should be. You know, and I, I'd like to see the whole industry shift towards this over time. I mean, it's not going to happen instantly, but it takes you as a website owner to start demanding this from, from the web designers before web designers are going to start offering it. Mm. So get out there and find someone that, that likes this way of thinking and set up just an initial meeting. That's all you're doing. 120 quid, 60 quid, whatever they decide to charge you mm. for that initial meeting. And out of that, set some aims for the following month. And actually, I know what you're saying, Marcus, about um, doing all this auditing and all this kind of stuff, looking at what's there. But I'd still start with the initial meeting first. Oh, right? Yeah, yeah. And another thing I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really kind of push now, And another thing. And another thing to just end up with. If you're a web designer listening to this, okay, those monthly meetings, right, if you're going to do that, recognize that they are kind of a sales opportunity too right so don't charge a fortune for it this needs to i think be charged less than your full full rate i think it needs to be uh, you know i think if we, uh, that sometimes we try and um web designers you know we try and immediately cover our costs and uh, you know we've pushed against things like speculative design and stuff like that for precisely that reason but there are some there are benefits of of um you know uh, to us as well in this arrangement so we need to meet web uh, website owners halfway and and give a good rate at least on these monthly meetings you know because you will get other stuff off of them as well so i think it's a win-win situation for everybody in fact i think it's a win-win-win situation i think it's great for web designers i think it's great for website owners and i think it'd be great for users as well because you'll have sites that are much more up to date much more um, strategically aimed and working to to meet users needs on a kind of ongoing basis so it's been a long time since i've been so excited about something so there we go yay there's my feature for today okay so we come to the listener section of the show where you contribute um whether it be in a review a question whatever so if you want to send something in always i am grateful to receive them i really love audio questions in particular um so send me an email at paul at boagworld.com 
shopify.com and this section of the show this week is brought to you by shopify which is an e-commerce solution made by designers and for designers um it's a brilliant system and i highly recommend you check it out hosted systems you don't have to worry about any of you know oh we lost three thousand pounds because your site was um, our site was down for five seconds and we're going to sue you um so check that out at at (laughs) shopify.com forward slash boag world but that's one of the great advantages of hosting solution in my opinion (laughs) it's their fault yeah um anyway i've received an email from um a boag world listener called adrian and he has asked the following question hi paul and marcus my name is adrian and i work for an integrated marketing agency um, many of the sites that we create are campaign-driven. That is to say that they are short-lived, small-to-medium sites. Now, obviously, there's much that you and many other people have um, commented on usability, content strategy, or IA, user testing, etc., etc. Trouble that most of these are centred around large, long-term sites where budgets and timings are a lot greater than what we tend to deal with. Um, Quite often, you know, when we bring up some of these things, we get a client reaction of, you know, we don't have the budget, we don't have the time. Building an Amazon or a BBC site, hey, it's only up for six months, what do we care? Um, obviously, the other problem is is that even when we do talk them into it, it's, it's finding the right emphasis on what the tools of the trade we can when, when budgets and timings are so tight to make sure that you pick the correct ones that are going to work well um, for the website. So I guess my question for, to you is, firstly, um, how do you... Um, apply the justification for usability um, and, and what what emphasis do you think is important for usability on small sites or do you perhaps think that you know you should apply all the same methodologies to a small site as you do for a big site um, you know but in which case how do you manage this um, on a compressed timeline and a tight budget Thank you very much. Uh, I look forward to your response. Right. Uh, I mean, they're good questions and you're not alone in asking them. Headscape have also built short-term campaign sites, um, oriented sites, and we've asked ourselves whether we should be user testing or not. As with most things, there's no clear set answer. Um, however, I think it's possible... Maybe. To- Depends. Depends. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. And there ends the show. Um, I think it's possible to argue that it's as important, if not more important, to test campaign websites than, you know, permanent websites. Right. So as Adrian points out in his email, these campaign websites are often built with limited budgets. However, the budget of the overall campaign is often very substantial. Right. So people will invest a lot of money in advertising. What is more, these websites fulfill, I think, two critical roles as part of this very substantial campaign. The first is that the website tracks the successes and failures of the campaign. The website is the call to action users are asked to complete um, after viewing the TV advertisement, clicking on the online ad or responding to whatever form of promotion the campaign uses. Without the website, there's no way to judge the response rate. However, more importantly, the website is also a crucial step in engagement. After a, um, a, uh, uh, you know, getting a large response from a marketing campaign really is only the first step. The more crucial metric is how many of those people actually take action and convert in whatever kind of way you want them to. Yep. So take, for example, the Big Butterfly account, which was built by Headscape, right? Um, you can, it's nice. It is very pretty, isn't yeah. it? Um, you can see it if you want to have a look at it at boagworld.com forward slash podcast forward slash 214. Um, right. The initial site, the kind of it's coming site. Or yes. It's live. Yes. Which is, There's more to come. But I can't remember the URL. BigButterflyAccount.org, I think. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. That's great. I didn't make a note of it. Um, 
Right, it's it's enough for users of that site. It's right. Right, you've completely thrown me now. So <laughs> I'm going to use the Big Butterfly account as an example. It's not enough for users of that site to just view it, right? Um, you know, and it, it, after they've seen it in some publication or however it's been promoted, it's not enough just to view it, right? They also need to take action in in the case of this site by downloading a butterfly ID chart. Uh, chart and going and counting butterflies. That's the, the goal, right? Um, with only a finite t- um, time to drive traffic and make conversions to that site, it's imperative that the website has the biggest possible impact, right? Because the campaign only goes on for a certain length of time. It does. Visitors to the site are not going to be returning often enough to overcome usability hurdles, and they don't care enough to be self-motivated of kind of finding whatever it is that we're supposed to do and, and it being a complicated process. It falls to the website to motivate users and guide them painlessly through the pro- uh, process of taking action. And the only way to ensure that they do that and that you, your website has been designed successfully to help them do that is by testing it. The problem is, as Adrian has pointed out, that there is a time and budget constraint here. However, user testing doesn't have to be um, expensive or time-consuming, right? There are a few things to bear in mind when doing quick and dirty user (coughs) testing, right? First, test early in the process. Show users sketches and mock-ups rather than waiting until you've produced something more final because this makes it much easier to change elements if required. You've not committed yourself as much. Second, use a handful of people because a handful is better than none at all. You don't need to test lots of people. Six is perfectly adequate to catch most major howlers. However, even showing the site to three people is better than doing nothing at all, right? So cut your car We've always said, you know, show it it to your your mate who's working next to you on another site. Screw demographics, my next point entirely. You know, uh, recruitment is by far the most time-consuming aspect to user testing. It can be a nightmare. It's almost worth, even, I mean, I don't know if you're talking about design only here, but, you know, the UX stage of of any project where you're just wireframing or doing information architecture, um, I can't remember who it was that we saw. What's the guy's name? Russ Unger, I think his name is. Basically, uh, no, it wasn't him. It was the guy he did the presentation with. Anyway, I'm rambling. He, they basically have an internal review. Everyone yeah. in the company goes in and reviews your stuff. Yeah. Goes, well, wh- why did you do that? Why did you do that? Yeah. And, you know, because maybe they're, uh, you know, may- obviously this isn't, uh, they're, they're not target audience, but they're very informed and they know the kind of problems. Mm-hmm. So talk to your colleagues. Yeah. I mean, in addition, I think it's good to, to look a little bit outside of, you know, those that will know stuff about the project. Um, yeah, but that can be anyone. Any fresh pair of eyes will pick up things that you've missed. Ideally, find someone that's not a web ninja like yourself. Um, (laughs) A web ninja. ninja. I think your mum is always a safe bet. And normally she's quite willing to help out. I think that's really good when you get into actual design stage. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. And user testing doesn't need to stop once the site goes live is another big thing. Right. If time is tight, launch the site and refine it afterwards. In fact, live sites are the perfect opportunity to test large number of users who exactly match your demographic because they're real users. Yes. Um, you can use a tool like Google's website optimizer to do different AB testing on a, on a site. Mm-hmm. As you can see, user testing doesn't need to have an impact on your timeline and has only a minimal impact on your budget. With tools like Google Website Optimizer, which is available totally for free, there's nothing stopping you. So, Adrian, the answer is yes, test. 
but it can be as dirty and quick and nasty as you like. So there you go. That about wraps up this show, except for Marcus's joke. It's not a joke. It's um, oh. a list of wittiness stuff from Joseph, a.k.a. Wizard. Who mm. says lots of, it's just, yeah, he was going through his files, came across a page of wit and wisdom. Uh, I haven't read any of these. Oh, dear. Uh, that could How be- come common sense isn't? Which I quite liked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you do something right, they never remember. When you do something wrong, they never... Yeah, okay. Blah, blah. Let's find something funny. Whistle, you, sh- you haven't prepared. No, you? I haven't. Uh, a fool and his money were lucky to get together in the first place. Uh, there's got to be something funny in here. You, you, this is terrible. You are dying a death, Marcus. <laughs> it's awful, it's awful. Okay, so that about wraps up the show for this week. Thank you very much for this. I'm not, that's it. Your, your opportunity is gone. And you can look at the list all you want, but you don't get to say any of them anymore. What, I can't talk anymore? No, shush. So thank you very much for listening to this week's show. It's, uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to support the show, and it's always good. Don't forget about the App Media show that's happening next week. Hopefully you can come along to that. Um, if you possibly can, which would be wonderful. Um, and also, don't forget what I was saying in the feature today. I, I think, you know, get out there, get a web design agency involved right now, whether you've got a project to do so or not. And, um, yeah, hell, you know, if you want to talk to us, that'd be great too. Thanks very much for listening and talk to you again next week. Goodbye. And send me some jokes. I need them. <laughs> he needs them. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.